when your reality doesn't match your hopes and expectations, it's painful. If you're not careful, that pain can spiral down into destructive emotions. That's the enemy's goal. But letdowns don't have to become meltdowns. When you know a few secrets, you can defeat discouragements and disappointments as they happen, even before they happen. I'll show you how. This is the Shut Up Devil Show, and I am Kyle Winkler, author of the book Shut Up Devil, creator of the Shut Up Devil app. I'm all about shutting down the lies and struggles that keep you from thriving in God's design for your life. I'm here to do it every single week with a live online audience, and I'd love for you to join me live on Thursdays at 8 p.m. Central at kylewinkler.org live, and if you haven't already, please tap that subscribe or follow button wherever you're watching or listening. That way you never miss a show. Okay. Life is full of many things, and letdowns are some of them, aren't they? You know, most of the grief and depression that people share with me have to do with something that didn't turn out the way they hoped or expected. It's painful when that happens, isn't it? When, maybe for years, you've had a certain vision about your life in mind that suddenly you realize isn't in the cards for you. A disappointment can actually feel like the death of something. Maybe it's a relationship. You vowed at one point to death do us part, and you created a vision in your mind of what that looked like. But it fell apart from something you couldn't control. Maybe of no fault of your own. The other person walked away, maybe even passed away. Something like that is deeply painful. I know far too many people who held to the hope of a child only to have that hope dashed, sometimes devastatingly, when it looked like maybe this time it will happen. Painful. Speaking of children, maybe you're a parent who had a vision not for yourself, but for your child. Could be regarding a career, a family, whatever. But their life took a turn in some way that you never saw coming. That's painful too. Certainly when we think of what we've all been through these last few years, I'm sure there have been lots of things that you didn't see come to pass that you thought might have or you expected would have. At the end of 2019, I don't think any of us would have expected they'd lose their job or a loved one or their livelihood because of a pandemic that would last a couple years. Painful stuff. And I could go on and on with examples, obviously. As I said, when your reality doesn't match your hopes and expectations, that's disappointment. And it's as common to the human condition as about any other emotion. So if you can take solace in one thing, it's that you aren't alone in it. The Bible is filled with people who faced it. Most of your favorite Bible heroes in here all did. Moses didn't get to enter the promise that he led God's people toward. Disappointing. Job lost almost everything. Majorly disappointing. Naomi had two sons. 
both of whom she lost to tragedy. Tragic disappointment. She's actually heard in Scripture telling people not to call her Naomi, but to call her Mara because it means bitter. She said, the Almighty has made my life very bitter. And in her words right there, we see the dangerous downward spiral of disappointment. If it goes unchecked, it can turn from pain and grief into depression, resentment, and bitterness, especially bitterness toward God. And that's the devil's goal. You know, since he can't separate you physically from God, not a Christian, at least, since he can't separate a Christian physically from God, he tries to destroy your intimacy with him through maligning God's character. Talk all about that in the first chapter of my book, Shut Up Devil, how the enemy is a slanderer. That's what his name means, as I say so often. It's all about maligning God's character, and he tries to get you to believe that God is bad or mad. That's his slander when it comes to God. It's like what we saw from Naomi there, what I just mentioned. He's always bringing up some way that God isn't good. He'll tell you whatever you're facing or whatever didn't happen, didn't happen because God's punished you or is punishing you. Or you haven't lived up to some standard that God's asking of you. So he's holding out on you. He's just unfair and selected you to suffer. Like I said, I talk all about that in my Shut Up Devil book. But I'm telling you, when you're disappointed with God, you'll justify just about anything, kind of as a form of rebellion or even to escape the pain. I can say that some of the dumbest things that I've done have been right after a major disappointment. But I promise you, the last thing you want is depression accompanied by a whole bunch of guilt because you ran off and did something stupid. So what do you do to keep a letdown from becoming a meltdown? Maybe some of you are in the midst of deep disappointment right now. How do you get beyond it? Is there a way to avoid or at least lessen letdowns in the future? Yeah. And I've found it involves three parts, really. The first part of the process, which I'm going to spend the most time teaching on here, is you have to let yourself feel it. You have to let yourself grieve. Like I said, some of this stuff can really feel like a death. When you've had a vision with you for years, if not forever, and it suddenly becomes evident that it's not possible anymore, you got to give it a kind of funeral. It's okay to feel it. It's okay to shed tears. It's okay to be sad. Now, I know some of you need a Bible verse to give yourself permission to grieve. So here it is. In Ecclesiastes 3, verse 1, For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven. Goes on till you get to verse 4. A time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance. You hear that? 
a time to grieve and a time to dance, a time to cry, a time to laugh, a time for everything. You know, Jesus grieved. When he got word that his friend Lazarus died, you know how he responded? Not by pretending that it didn't affect him. He responded with what is the shortest verse in the Bible. It's John eleven thirty five. It says, Jesus wept. You know, I think for so many years, Many of us have been taught not to let ourselves feel pain or be emotional even for a moment because that would be some kind of a weakness or lack of faith. So we bottle things up. But that's not healing. And that's not freedom. Ignoring, denying, pretending is not the road to redeeming. It's not the road to peace. You've got to get to a place where you finally confront the ugly truth of things and wrestle with it a bit. You know, on that point, I think of the story of Jacob in the Old Testament. Jacob did some stupid stuff, some deceptive stuff. And then he ran from the consequences. Now, it wasn't because of disappointment, it was because of guilt. But the principle is the same. You finally have to come to terms with what you feel. And he did, all by himself one night when God showed up. And the two wrestled it out, the Bible says. They wrestled. You know, in your grieving, it's okay to wrestle with God. I just told somebody that the other day, actually, in a phone call as I was kind of counseling. He can handle the honesty. You can get alone with him and you can say, God, I hate this. This is painful. This is not what I expected. Why did you let this happen? Why did things turn out this way? Maybe even why did I turn out this way? God can handle it. I think we often look at the scriptures and we see people like Job or like Naomi there who argue with God, say things like this, why God, why? And we assume that their arguments are the sinful responses of a lack of faith. Do you know what? Study their stories, and you'll see that it was after the deep, heartfelt, honest anguish before the Lord that they found him in their circumstances. You know, I believe in positive confessions of faith. You know that. I believe in thinking on good things. But sometimes in thinking that we always have to be positive, things can kind of get phony. God wants people to live authentically and honest before him. And that's a product of knowing that you are loved just as you are. You're not going to be honest if you don't know that you're loved. But if you know that you're loved, you're able to be honest before him. And I've found that that honesty is what leads to his comfort. Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Often the mourning comes before the comfort. Some of you might need to go from this message and get alone with God and just get honest with him. Let it out. Acknowledge the hurt and the pain. Shed the tears. Then wait for God to speak. Yeah, he might have some very direct things to say, but they'll always be for your healing. They'll never be condemning, that's for sure.
always for your healing. But here's the important thing about grieving. Everybody's going to have a different timetable for how long it takes to process grief. You just can't let yourself wallow in it forever. You know, in Jewish culture, they actually had maximum periods of time for grieving. The law of Moses allowed for a period of 30 days in most cases. It could be longer depending upon how close the person was to you. Some sources reference periods of up to a year if it was like the loss of a parent or a child. Now, that was the Jewish law, and that doesn't apply to us anymore. Today, we have something better than that. We have the Holy Spirit in each of us who knows what is just right for you. The one who made you knows what is just right for you. He knows just the right timing, just how to do it, and he's going to lead you accordingly. But the principle that we see in the law is a good one. God doesn't want grief to overtake anybody. Yes, grief has its place. As I've been saying, it needs to be felt. You have to go through the process. But if you keep wallowing in sadness, eventually it will turn into a victim mentality or a stronghold in your mind that will keep you angry at others and at God. And that's what will destroy you. Some years ago, I was talking with a young lady who had a surgery that left her unable to have kids in the future. And she was, I think, in her young 30s, didn't have any children. So as I think you can understand, what happened crushed a lifelong dream of hers. I can't imagine. And she went through a grieving period, of course. But I said, how did you get beyond it? That's when she shared a quote with me that really impacted me. And I have quoted this to so many people when I've spoken to them personally on subjects like this. It's become one of my favorites. I think Pastor John Piper originally said it. Some of you know him. But here's the quote. Occasionally, weep deeply over the life you hoped would be. Grieve the losses. Feel the pain. Then wash your face. Trust God and embrace the life you have. At some point when you've shed those tears, been honest before the Lord, you have to make a decision that this situation isn't going to define me. You know, that's what the young lady had to do. She came to realize there were many other ways for her life to be meaningful. Yes, having children is one of them, but it's not the only one. And since that wasn't an option for her anymore, she would have to find something else. She had to trust that God would provide her something else and embrace the life that she had. We're going to talk about what that trust looks like in just a few minutes. But still talking about the grieving process. I'll tell you what's key to walking through it. That's involving other people. I know that's usually the opposite of what we want to do. Most of us, myself included, our default reaction to disappointment is to ice people out, which is about the worst thing that you can do. Because if you leave yourself alone with your thoughts, the enemy will make a meal out of you. He will take you to worst case scenarios and spin your mind 
like I said, a meal out of you. I was browsing YouTube some time ago. One of those suggested videos popped up along the side. It was a story of Pastor Rick Warren. Some of you know that he lost his son tragically to mental illness. I wondered what he had to say, figured it had to be good, so I clicked the video to watch it. And sure enough, something Rick said really stood out and resonated with me. He said, if I didn't have a small group, I don't think I'd still be in ministry right now. When you're down, discouraged, or grieving, you probably won't feel like it. But you have to force yourself at times to get around people. There's just something that happens, I think because of how we're created for relationship, that our bodies, literally, I mean, scientifically they see this, our bodies respond positively when we get around people. There's stress relief that happens and like a happiness hormone and all this stuff, chemicals that respond. When you get around people, even if they don't say much, it's not really about them saying anything. There's such a thing as the ministry of presence. Like I said, science is even demonstrating that something happens in our brains, just being around people. You can be alone in the company of people, and that can be very beneficial. But something I've learned about myself is that when I come back from a trip or a vacation, I can go through what's called the post-vacation blues. Anybody relate to that? It's a form of disappointment. It's the result of looking forward to a trip so long and then it suddenly being over. And that can really make me just feel blah for a few days. And it can take me a little bit to get over that then. But what nips that in the bud pretty quickly is spending time with people. So I've learned ahead of time, before I take the trip, to schedule a dinner or time with friends almost immediately, sometimes immediately if I can when I get back. That way I'm with people and it helps me transition. Okay, that's all part of going through the griefing process. Feel the hurt, get honest before God, get around people, embrace the life you have. The next step in defeating disappointment is especially a proactive method to keep it from happening as badly in the future. You have to get to the root of it. And you do that by asking yourself, why am I so upset that my reality didn't match my hopes or expectations? And more often than not, it's because you're longing for something to define you in some way. In the cases when I've been the most disappointed, like when opportunities fall through or something, and I'm telling you, in ministry, in growing a ministry, lots of things that are very promising that you get your hopes up on end up falling through. I don't mean to sound negative here, but I've just kind of almost expected now just from history, that maybe 20% of the things that people promise you actually end up happening as far as opportunities. 
You're just dealing with human nature. People get excited and they say things and they want to have you on shows or give you this opportunity or that opportunity, and then it doesn't come to pass. So those things can be disappointing. Well, when they really got me down at times, I realized that it was because I was looking for them to make me somebody. And that's especially, I think, because of my past, because of all the rejection that I dealt as a kid. I often looked for epic things, epic opportunities, big things in order to stand out in ways that I never did as a kid. It was a kind of form of acceptance and a form of proving myself, really, a form of defining myself. So for me, at the root of every disappointment was that I was looking for something more than God already gave me. Not that we don't dream and believe and hope, okay? Opportunities, relationships, many of the blessings in life can greatly enrich us. But they're there to enrich us, not sustain us, and not to be us. Disappointment happens when we're longing for something or someone other than God to give us significance. For me, it has been my study in identity in Christ that's made all the difference. Doesn't make me perfect, but it's made a big difference. Because knowing who I am, knowing what really defines me, knowing what is my real source, that's what really stops those letdowns from morphing into meltdowns or worse. It's knowing that my significance in life, my definition in life, comes from God, not in any outcome or opportunity. You know, we can hope for many things, but really there's only one to hope in, and it's not a thing. It's Jesus. And hoping in Him doesn't mean that He'll make all of our dreams come true. It means that we have His Word, that we are good with Him, complete in Him, and that He'll work our situations out for good for those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. That's Romans 8.28. Take a look at this. In 1 Thessalonians 4.13, Paul says something here. We want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died, so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. And that last part is the part I really want you to see. So you will not grieve like people who have no hope. Paul's not saying it's bad to grieve. He's just saying when you do it, don't do it as if you don't have hope because you do. You know, that's what separates us from everybody else in the world when we go through things, is that we have hope. You know, for the world, those in the world, a disappointment is just something that goes bad that, ne- that negatively affects them. For us, yeah, a disappointment is also something that goes bad. It may negatively affect us too. We are not immune from sorrow and suffering, but we have hope. We have hope because it doesn't define us. We have hope of God using it to order our steps. We have hope because we have a God who 
turn something into good. We have so much hope. You have so much hope. And that brings us to the third step in defeating disappointment. And this one might sound cliche. We hear it so often. But I don't think most of us know how to do it or what it means. It's trusting God. Now, like I said, I know we hear that so much, and that's probably not what we want to hear in the midst of grief. And just by the way, word to the wise, if you're talking to somebody who's grieving, throwing them out a Bible verse and saying, just trust God, probably is not going to have the effect you want. Often, instead of throwing out cliches and a bunch of Bible verses, you're better off just showing up and shutting up. Like I said, there's a ministry of presence, of just being there without saying anything or advising anything or trying to fix the situation. But still, trust is the only real option. Eventually, people get there. Eventually, they realize it on their own time. And they finally get beyond the pain of the emotions in order to see, hear, and think clearly. But I'm not talking about blind trust. You're here listening to this, having made it through circumstances you never thought you'd make it through, right? Things you thought would kill you. Relationship issues and sicknesses and financial burdens, tests that at one point, one time or another, you didn't see how you'd make it through. Yet here you are. You have a history with God. And that's what you got to look to to build your faith. So use the ways that God got you through in the past to build confidence in the future that God is going to get you through again. He's going to do it again. He's going to part those waters again. He's going to deliver again. You can trust that some way, somehow, God will create a purpose out of your pain. Often the greatest purposes come out of pain. In time, what you've gone through could become somebody else's survival guide for what they're going through. Today I've learned to pray, God, if I've got to go through this, then give me a story that helps somebody. And he always does. And it's always rewarding. Most of the messages that you all get from me, the books that I've written, they all come out of that, of me going through something, saying, God, give me a story out of this if i got to go through it. And he does. It's rewarding for me to be able to share it, and I hope that it's helpful for you too. It'll also help to start to rethink some disappointments as divine appointments. Not everything is a divine appointment. I am not saying that every one of your disappointments, especially the tragedies and things like that, are of God. I'm not saying that God afflicts at all. There are other reasons, the fallen world, the enemy. But there are some opportunities that fall through and end up being a form of God's protection, redirection, or preparation for what's ahead. I've shared the story of graduating from undergrad with a computer degree. 
I was a computer programmer up before ministry, did it as a teenager, went to undergrad for it, and I was blessed with probably more experience than most people in my program because I was employed full-time since 16 years old in that industry. So maybe it was pride, but I had this vision that I would come out of college and be quite the catch for an employer. I had several interviews, but nothing. For months, nothing. Nobody was catching me. And I was disappointed, severely disappointed. And then I had family members telling me, oh, maybe it's God punishing you or something. It hurt. I felt like God set me on a shelf. And when the money was running out, that's when things really get <laughs> get tough, right? I was forced to really take a hit to my pride. Some of my friends were managers at a Christian bookstore, and they offered me kindly, kindly they offered me a job there. But I felt that would be a blemish on my perfect resume up to that point. I felt it'd be a step back. I was making good money for my age before, and this would be the lowest I had ever made. Disappointment. But as the money was running out, I had no choice but to take it. And I was there for about six months. And for years later, like, I don't know, eight years later or so, something like that, five to eight years later, I didn't understand what that season was all about until the opportunities came to write books. Then suddenly, I drew from some of what I learned because of that disappointing rejection which led me to a six-month stint at a Christian bookstore. God used my disappointment as a divine appointment to prepare me for the good thing he had ahead. And now here I am, just having written my fourth book. Let me encapsulate everything in this. To get to the other side of disappointment, shed the necessary tears, get honest before God and admit it isn't what you hoped, and then get up with trust. Trust that comes from your history with God, not blind trust. Trust from your history with God that the same God who got you through yesterday's struggles and letdowns will get you through today's and tomorrow's too. And all the while, remember, God loves you. He loves you as much at your lowest as your highest. He loves you as much at your worst as your best. He loves you as much in failure as in success. He loves you, period. And he's going to love you through it while he walks you to it, whatever it is. If you're disappointed right now, I pray that you experience the comfort of the comforter. May his presence bring you peace. May his word give you hope. May his grace sustain you. And may he send some of his people to help encourage you. I pray that you're able to grieve as you need to but that you come out of it healed and stronger than you ever knew with a story that might help someone else get through too.
I pray all that in Jesus' name. You know, lies lead to bad beliefs. Bad beliefs lead to bad feelings. And it goes from there. Ongoing discouragement is really rooted in lies. So rather than try to mask the symptoms, why not get to the root of it? That's why I wrote my book, Shut Up Devil, Silencing the Ten Lies Behind Every Battle You Face. In this book, I reveal the sneaky ways the enemy gets into your mind with lies. I reveal the ten biggest lies that he uses to do it, and then I show you the sure way to kick him out. This is a book of deliverance, not just spiritually, but in your emotions and feelings too. Whether it's discouragement or depression or anxiety, like I said, behind every battle you face. Shut Up Devil is available wherever books are sold, in paper book, ebook, or audiobook. But I'd love to send you a signed copy. And you can order that at kylewinkler.org slash shutupdevil. That's kylewinkler.org slash shutupdevil. Okay, that does it for the Shut Up Devil Show. Remember, God is good and he is for you. And we're here for you too. Every week on my website at kylewinkler.org, on our podcast, and wherever you get your social media. Don't forget wherever you're watching or listening to tap that subscribe or follow button so that you never miss a show. I'll see you next time.